What's up? And welcome to the very best self podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. What's up? What's up? Welcome back, you guys. Hi, it's me, Victoria Brown, and today is a really cool episode. Uh, I think if you know me well enough by now, I feel like you know that like one thing I'm super obsessed with is the mindset of athletes. And so today, I have a mental performance coach on the pod. We've got Lauren Johnson in the house uh, who worked with for the Yankees and with the Yankees for many years. And uh, so she's trained in this stuff, went to school for this. And, you know, her life is really understanding mindset and how to be the greatest possible version of you, your very best self, if you will. Uh, yeah. So that's like what she does for a living, you guys. This is going to be freaking awesome. I'm so pumped to hear from her. Uh, I've known Lauren now, I guess a couple years and kind of, we really met on social media, to be honest. And, uh, she's just kick ass and rad and really super inspirational on Instagram. And yeah, I love her. And so I think you're going to love this episode. Let's get into it. All right. All right. You guys, I have Lauren Johnson here today. She is a mental performance coach. Uh, who worked with the Yankees for many years and is now doing her own thing and crushing it. And I know that for all of my listeners, I talk about sports and the mindset of athletes like all the freaking time because I love it. So I thought, why not bring a pro in? Why not bring somebody who knows all about that stuff, who studied it? And so we've got Lauren here today. And I'm so excited for this episode. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. I was so excited when you reached out to me. We immediately connected first time that we chatted. And uh, so yeah, I'm excited to be a part of this. Oh, great. Yeah, I know. I'm such a big fan of yours. And I mean, I guess I'll begin this episode with saying as well, if you're not following her on Instagram, you totally, totally should be. She puts out like so much mindset content uh, for anybody out there who feels like they are ever stuck or trying to find their way or just having a bad day or whatever it is. You can just literally click on your page and just feel like better about what's going on in the world or in your own mind, I think. So I just want to put that out there. Your Instagram handle is at Lauren. There's something before Johnson, right? Yeah. Lauren Nicole Johnson. There you go. At Lauren Nicole Johnson. Awesome. So how did you get into becoming a mental performance coach and really just working with, you know, athletes as big time as, you know, Yankee players? Well, if you asked me that about, hmm, let's see here, about 10, 12 years ago, I would have told you I'm going to be a physical therapist. Why? Because I didn't even know mental performance was a thing. I didn't even know it existed. And so I I played soccer all through college and it was actually my senior year, fifth game into my senior year, I received my fifth concussion and was told it was no longer safe for me to play. And actually my neurologist asked me this exact question. He said, would you like to remember your name at 40? And I mean, yeah, exactly your reaction. It kind of smacked me in the face. And I was like, I mean, that's the plan. And he said, then I don't think it's safe to continue. And so for somebody who identified so closely to being an athlete, to suddenly have have that taken away, I mean, it was a shock to the system. And so even though I was still a part of the team and I still showed up to practices, my role vastly changed. 
And I had some extra time on my hands. So I decided, you know what, let's take a, an elective course. And that's how I found sports psychology. Wow. I was the only person to sign up for the course. And when I did, it acted, it served as like this mirror. And what it reflected back to me was <laughs> something really profound. And I remember thinking, who would I have been if I would have known these things? Like what kind of player, teammate, friend would I have been if I would have known, you know, these mental tools and principles? And then I thought to myself, how many people can I help now that I do? And that really became my mission. And so senior year of college, I totally changed my trajectory and, uh, and decided to get my master's degree in performance psychology. Wow. Incredible. So how many athletes out there just accept their mindset as the status quo, whatever it is? How many, because you said you didn't really know that it existed at all. So I think we're on like the cusp of like this becoming hugely, hugely mainstream. Um, and there's players out there in the NFL and there's players in the, in the NBA and there's players, you know, in the MLB who have their own personal performance coach, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like a life coach, whatever you want to call it, mindset coach, whatever feels better, right? But how many players are not using this, these tools? How many players are not meditating? How many players are not using visualization and all of these things? And how is it becoming like mainstream now? Do you think that in the future, everyone will be on this? Or, you know, what is your, your take on all of that? I think I asked you like 12 questions. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's a great one. You know, I, I, I don't think mental or I don't think mindset is everything. But mindset does impact everything. And that's a really big mm -hmm. distinction. And so I, I think that at the very beginning, you know, the reason why a lot of players or athletes, especially ones that are super talented, having a lot of success, don't reach towards mindset is because it's like that old, that old saying that don't fix what's broken. You know, it's, if it's not broken, why fix it? Right. And I think what right. happens a lot of times is that they get to a point where their talent will only take them so far. And suddenly the person next to them, not only has talent, but they're able to deliver under pressure. They're able, able to deliver when it matters. They're able to deliver through adversity, through unideal circumstances, through failure. And that is the difference between an average player and an elite one. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I remember, and I've talked about this on previous uh, episodes, but I remember I was listening to a podcast with Tim Grover, who uh, I'm sure you know of, who trained Kobe and Michael Jordan. And he said, you know, they, they asked him on the podcast, they're like, have you trained athletes who are more physically gifted than Kobe and Michael? And he was like, absolutely unequivocally. Yes. The answer is yes. But they not only trained their bodies, but also trained their minds because so many athletes out there, they think like, okay, if I just, if I stay in the gym longer than the next guy, like I'm going to be better on the field. Or if I'm the last player to leave the field, then I'm going to be better than everybody else. And it's just not the truth all the time. It's just not. Right. Of course, practice is important, but it's like, it's, it's a whole package. It's adding it all together and taking care of your mind and the way that you go into the game, uh, you know, get your head in the game, which has been a, a phrase that's been around forever, um, is, is really literal. Oh yeah. Well, and you know, if you, if you talk to any major league or any professional athlete, the easiest part is getting to the major leagues. The hardest part is staying there. And mm. I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, 
that have been on, you know, a really on a big trajectory, a big climb towards a goal, they get to that goal and then they go, now what? And if you're not on top of your stuff, if you're not constantly evolving and getting better, you're going to get passed up because there are younger, faster, better, more talented people that are after your spot. And so it's, you know, the, the whole process itself, it's an evolutionary process, not a revolutionary event. You don't get to the major leagues and suddenly you're mentally tough. You advance levels because of your mental toughness. Wow. And so it's, it's one of those things that when we talk about what, what makes somebody great, it is a huge piece to the pie that some people don't recognize or realize until a certain part of their career. And to be totally honest with you, working for the Yankees, the one uh, level I really saw that transition happen was in high A. So just before double A, um, you know, after short season and rookie ball, right there is when I started to notice a lot of players, if they hadn't already gravitated towards it and really adopted it as a part of their development, that's when they started to. Wow. So that was like the make or break point. Yeah, I think that's when they started to realize, like, there's one story in particular that stands out to me. Um, One of our players, he actually got pulled up to double A just to pitch for that day. And he knew that he was told that. So he goes up there, he pitches, and the next day he comes back down to down to single. And that's where I was um, at the time. And so I asked him, I was like, tell me about it. And he's like, the level of preparation that some of the pitchers up there go through shocked me. He said, and you know why? It wasn't just a preparation. It was because the level of competition stepped up a level. And so what I'm doing now is not going to work there. And the point is that every new level is going to require a new level of you. Every new experience, every new uh, you know, expansion, every new development, all of that is going to require something different. And if you expect that just by leveling up, it's going to level you up, that's not, that's not true. You have to also do something Whoa, different. Whoa, that was huge. That was huge. Oh my God, there's so much to unpack there. There's so much to unpack there. I mean, I, I can think of that, like what you just said, I can think of it relating, like, think of that exact point relating to so many different areas in life. Like people continue when you're working in a corporate setting, continue to climb the ladder and go higher and go higher. Yet it's crazy because there's less and less leadership training available to you the higher that you climb on the corporate ladder which is insane um there's there's so much to unpack there and and uh it reminds me also uh, my grandfather who was a big big um you know just huge huge inspiration in my life uh who's unfortunately no longer with us but he used to tell me the seven p's mm. prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance <laughs> i love and it. i've always loved that Right. It's so good. Um, And so I've always loved that so much. And, uh, you know, for that, I always have held on to that. But it's crazy because he got one glimpse a day in the life to to peek behind the curtain and to see that level of preparation. And it's so true because where we are right now and what we do in our lives right now is not necessarily it's not going to work in tomorrow's game or in tomorrow our next level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I see this a lot, actually. Um, you know, part of my job at the Yankees actually worked in the scouting department. And so I assisted um, with another one of my coworkers and we, we would go around and they'd send us to who they, they believed were the best, rec- like the best um, draft picks for that year. And 
I remember uh, we drafted this one guy that I actually got to interview. And he comes in and he, a great, great kid. Okay, great guy, right out of high school. And he comes into my office one day and he was like, he really struggling. Yeah, his first outing was crap. And that's where you want to like show people like I deserve to be here. You know, it's, it's your, it's your, uh, your first impression. And so I asked him, I said, well, let's talk about what happened out there. And he had no awareness of it. And that's okay. Not everybody has great awareness. And especially at his age, I wasn't expecting it. So I said, okay, if we want to improve this, we got to improve your awareness. So I gave him some journal exercises really to work on reflecting outside of the game and then drawing that closer to the moment. And later on that day, I'm in the cafeteria and he yells from behind, like the, he's in the back of the line and he yells and I'm standing next to some of my AAA guys and he goes, Hey, Lauren. And I like, look back. I'm like, what's up? He's like, I did those journal exercises. And I was like, nice. And then he goes, huh, just kidding. And like the guys next to me, like kind of looked at me and they're like, you know, they, they made a joke about it. They're like, you know how, you know, like they're new. They, they make jokes about journaling. He doesn't understand it yet. And I was like, nah, that's all right. So I go through, I, I finish eating and I actually text him and I said, Hey, don't worry about the journaling. And he runs back to my office and he's like, what, what, why, do, why don't you want me to do the journaling anymore? And I said, I don't think you realize I am not your mom. I am not your teacher. I am not going to force you to do anything that you're not willing to take ownership of. I don't sleep any different if you do your journal exercises or not. This is your career. You have to own your development. And so the exercises I gave you were to help you. But if you don't want to be helped, please don't do them because you're going to waste your time and you're going to waste mine too. And he kind of stopped. He goes, okay, okay, I'll, I'll do them for you. And I said, no, 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 don't do them for me. Yeah. Nope. Only do them if like you're going to do it for yourself. Because I said, you have to understand what played in high school ain't going to play here. So you can make that decision. And that night I got actually a picture of his journal and almost every day after that, And let me tell you, he was one of our most improved because he took ownership. He finally realized, I'm not going to make him better. That that coach over there ain't going to make him better unless he takes ownership of his career and he decides to make himself better. Damn, that's the whole truth and nothing but the truth right there. (laughs) Man, and and that is the truth. You got to, I mean, you have to choose your next level. You have to choose your strength. You have to choose all of that. And especially if you're going to like make fun of it, like, well, I mean, bruh, like, I don't know what to tell you, like, best of luck to you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Best and of I, luck think, to you. I think it, it really showed the culture that, um, and, and I, I can't take credit for that. This was the culture at the Yankees in terms of mental performance was built way before I got there. So I came into a really well-oiled system, uh, but that it spoke right. to the culture because the older guys that had been there longer were like, you know how I know you're new? you make fun of that. He's like, just wait till you're at our level. There's, there's no other option, but to be that prepared and to be that detailed. Right. To be that prepared and to be that detailed. Um, so let's talk about, you know, developing that mental toughness. If you are a kid, if you're a kid and you want to play sports and, you know, I've read a lot of books on this and the psychology behind it, but you know, 
And they're saying, um, I'm really fascinated by it. So, um, like tiger moms, like that's actually, it seems to be more of actually an exception to the rule and not like the ones who are actually great. They did not necessarily specialize in one sport. They played multiple sports and then eventually broke off into, into one sport and focused on that. But the greats, a lot of the greats out there, they played like several different kinds of sports. Um, but I'm really just curious about what your your take is on, you know, if you've got a, a child who you, you know, want to play a sport and the kid wants to play the sport, like, how do you develop mental toughness in a child? Is that something that just they have or they don't? Or is it something you can teach? So both. I mean, I think that it's it's no it's no secret that environment plays a role you know, an environment and genetics, some people are predisposed to some of these things, um, you know, much different than others. And so that does play a role, but it can be taught. And it's kind of like, you know, certain sports, you know, there are going to be people that show up and their starting lines a little bit different based on, you know, their surroundings, their talent, their resources, but it can still be taught. And so that's very similar to mental performance. And to your point, it's so true that, you know, whenever, if a parent calls me and says, you know, we just want to specialize and play this sport. I'm like, don't do that too early, like do not specialize early because you're, you're developing athleticism when you're, when you're playing multiple sports, because instead of only developing a skill in one area and in one way, let's say golf, a golf swing. Um, but let's say you're doing golf, dance, like dance or, you know, running and something else you're learning to be agile at the same time. So that's why I think specialization can be a really, a really bad thing uh, at the beginning. And on top of it, what it can lead to is burnout. Because instead of exploring mm-hmm. and it being more of a fun exploration of multiple different disciplines, it becomes almost like a job really early um, and can lead to early burnout for kids. But in terms of developing mental toughness, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it mental toughness at that age. I mean, yes, I guess you could say you could you could interchange words, but there's a couple things that I would want to um, incorporate, one of them being growth mindset. Growth mindset oftentimes leads to our ability to withstand difficult moments. And if we can develop that at a young age, then that actually helps us over time with our view of what success is and what it isn't. And so one of the things that I like to talk about is this idea of the not yet principle. And uh, Dr. Carol Dweck talks about this in her book, which is called Mindset, all about growth or the growth mindset. And the, the idea of not yet principles, she actually saw this study and it was done in Chicago and it was at a school where instead of grading it pass or fail, they graded it, their papers pass or not yet. And what not yet did was it created a pathway to the future. Not yet doesn't mean that you're a failure. Not yet doesn't mean that you won't learn it. What it creates is a growth mindset, this idea that it's okay if you haven't, you didn't get it right now. But it doesn't mean you won't get it in the future. It just means you're not there yet. Where right, I when, love they, that. when they identified it between the pass and fail, what a lot of kids started to do is identify with the outcomes that I'm not good at math, I'm not good at science, or I am good at English, I am good at that, versus it doesn't matter if I'm good or not, I can develop and grow in that area. And so if your child is trying to improve or trying to take on, you know, a, a goal or, um, or a new sport, a lot of times it's easy to get down on ourselves when you see people next to you to the right and left, like succeeding or having good results. And so one thing that we can teach them is that not yet principle is that's, 
that's okay, but you're just not there yet. So how are we going to get there? What it does, it creates that path to the future and this idea that it's, we're, not, we're not sitting in this fixed night mindset, but we're really developing this idea of growth. Yeah, I love that so much. I mean, pass and fail is so final. It's like, it's just like yes or no, mm-hmm. black and white. And life is not like that. Life is not yes or no, but it's not black and white. It's, there's always a gray area. There's always an in-between moment. And there are so many examples out there of quote unquote late bloomers, as you call them. So, you know, if you're not getting, if you're getting a not yet, it definitely is is not a no because it doesn't mean that you're not that person or that kid or whatever it is, you know, that it's just not going to be a giant success later on. Uh, But at that moment, maybe you're not quite there yet. So I love that. Exactly. So much. I think it plays really into the grit scale as well. Um, and understanding, you know, what it takes to be great and what it takes to to develop a champion's mindset. Um, and so I, I love, uh, I'm sure you've read um, Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, right? And that's like oh, such an incredible so book. And actually, I think she's the first person. I know that Glennon Doyle always talks about, and she even ha- named her podcast, um, like she always says, we can do hard things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I read that for the first time in, in Angela Duckworth's book, where she says that to her kids every day, like, what's your hard thing today? We can do hard things. And she talks about that. Um, so that's just like putting the difficult task that you have in your life or the thing that you're faced with, whether, you know, who, no matter who you are, if you're like talking about the difficult task that you need to overcome in the middle of a game or just in your day-to-day life, whoever you are, um, and identifying that task and then just saying like, that's the thing I'm going to tackle today. Like, that's my one hard thing today. Like, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and to your point, what it does is it, it develops that muscle of being able to withstand difficult or being willing to tolerate it. And, you know, it reminds me, um, actually, you know, like you, my grandfather was really big in my life as well. And it reminds me actually of this story. So my, my grandfather was a, was a horse steward, which is like a referee of horse racing. And okay. he took a job that was about uh, a couple hours away from where, you know, he and my mom and then lived growing up. And my mom said it was super interesting. She's like, he never complained he would have a two hour commute there and a two hour commute home every day. And so one day I asked him, do you like the commute? And he said, no, I don't like the commute. And she said, then why don't, why don't you complain about it? And he said, well, that's because I signed up for the job knowing what was required. It was Mm. two hours was required for the position that I wanted. And no one made me take it. Nobody forced me to take it. I signed up for it knowing that that was required. So what's complaining going to do? If I don't want to do that anymore, I don't have to do it, but I won't get the thing that I want because it's required of it. And so that, that always stood with me because so often, even as kids, you know, I remember growing up being like, you know, I want to be Brandy Chastain. I want to be Mia Hamm. You know, I want to be these professional soccer players. And while, you know, that's, that's all good and great. And I certainly didn't have the talent uh, in a lot of ways. The question becomes, before you sign up for a goal, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to do what is required to achieve it? And I think that's something that we can ask, like we can help our children understand too, is by laying out, okay, I love that. I love that you want to do this, 
this is what's required. Is that something that you want to take on? You know, before you sign up for a new sport, is this is what's required. Is this what you want to do? And right. what it does is it teaches you that, you know, you have to first consider the lifestyle it will re- be required to achieve it. Because the only thing greater than wanting, you know, wanting to go after a goal is being willing to do what's required of it. Wow. Another mic drop moment. Because <laughs> it's so huge. I mean, it is. It's like you can do regular season sport. You know, I played volleyball, basketball, lacrosse, and I swam in the summertime. But I remember, you know, I was particularly good at volleyball. And uh, so I remember at a certain point, you know, there's regular season volleyball and I'm playing with all my high school friends and like, that's super fun. And practices are every day after school. And like, that was okay, done. So when it came time to make the decision whether I was going to play college volleyball or not, you know, it was okay you've got to do more than just play one season. You have to join a club team. Oh, by the way, none of your other high school friends are going to play on that same club team. Oh, by the way, you have to play with a bunch of girls that you don't know. And oh, by the way, you have to travel because the uh, practices are going to be late at night um, when you know parents are off work or whatever and can coach the league. So practices are pretty late at night. And oh, by the way, you have to give up some of your weekends because you're going to have to travel for tournaments. And it was a lot of work. So like, you know, you have to definitely talk to your kid. And I've, I've always related back to anybody who's listening to my podcast. But in, in terms of what you just said, any goal that you have or anything you're trying to do, like ask yourself, like, are you willing to do what it takes to get to where you want to go? Because it will require more of you, right? And that's just going back to the same point that you made about the guy who got to peek behind the curtain and throw for one game, you know, realizing that like, holy hell, like it's going to require so much more than who I am today to, to step into that next best version of myself tomorrow. Oh so. man. So well said. So well said. And it's, and it's true because when you can set those expectations, it also helps you to push through those difficult moments because you know, that will be required of it. Right. You're like, okay, I signed up for this. I chose this. I owe it to myself yeah. to honor my own word. Yeah, and 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 I think you know that there's this great uh, this great exercise that uh, you can do for that to really set you up for even potential difficult moments, and not to necessarily put yourself in them, but to also to just be ready and prepared for what you're going to do if they occur, because we know that when your when your goal meets reality, it's going to need some adjusting. Because when we're making goals, many times we're not considering, you know, what adversities we're going to face. Many times we can't necessarily predict that either. But one strategy right. that's really great is, that we can do is to not only visualize and sit in and, and imagine what it is that you do want, how you want it to go, and how that would feel to accomplish it. But then also do this, the opposite which is called mental contrasting and take a moment and think about what could go wrong. What could get in the way of you completing your goal? What are those obstacles that you may hit? Because when you start to become aware of them, then we can build a plan on how we want to behave if they do. And so then what we can do is once you, once you've kind of written out some of the things that like could, could go wrong, some obstacles some things that might hold you back from doing what you want to do, 
then we can create a contingency plan. And we call this if-then planning. And you can say, okay, if I if a guy hits a home run off of me, then I will do this. If I run into this obstacle, then I will do this. And when we create these contingency plans, what it does is it actually forms a connection in our brain. And so it connects a situation with a behavior that we'd like to follow. And your brain will love this because in the moment when you're under pressure and this thing happens and you're faced with it, you don't have to come up with a plan because you already have. And your brain's job is now just to execute. I like that. I mean, I think it's very, that's like a two-part a two part thing, right? And yeah. so part one is super easy. You could you can go down the rabbit hole of all the things that can go wrong very easily. Part one is like, yeah, got that. Got it in the bag, done, dusted, got it. Um, the harder part is like, okay, cool. So now that we've actually like gone down that path and chosen to go down that path actually on purpose to so think of all the things that can go wrong, which I've never heard this before, um, then you can figure out what you're going to do about it. And yeah, I like and- that because it eliminates the worry, the fear, the doubt, actually. Yeah. And what it does is it also reduces panic and chaos in the moment because, you know, somebody who does this is actually, his name is Chris Hadfield. He was the first Canadian astronaut in space. And he said they did this all the time. And one of the, one of the scenarios they would work through a lot is if a fire happened on board. And he said, that's the worst thing that could happen because if a fire breaks out on the spaceship and you can't contain it, there's nowhere to go. And so if you haven't thought through that, if you haven't developed a plan on how you're going to attack that if and when that happens, that could that could mean catastrophe. And so, you know, when we talk about negativity and, you know, I think uh, in, in most cases, negativity can be really harmful. But I think in certain cases, it can be very productive. And it's when we use it in a productive way to help prepare us for what may or may not happen. It allows us to be more resilient. It allows us to be more flexible. And it allows us, it actually increases our confidence because confidence is just, is not just, I'm going to go in and win. It's, I know what I'm going to do if it doesn't go my way. And far too often in life, it doesn't go our way. So being prepared so for that makes all, all the difference. Um, I mean that, and of course I'm, uh, my listeners know I'm a big fan of meditation, um, which I believe if you practice consistently uh, meditating, that it allows you a little bit of space. It takes that chaos and uh, that kind of freak out moment away when you are in a very like, you know, a high pressure moment. It gives you that space to think a little bit, to respond instead of react in any in high pressure situations. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yes, it is. It is, that is such a great tool that is one of those things, again, like it, and to your point, like needs to be practiced. And it's one of those tools that's so great because, you know, your mind is the only thing that can exist in the past, present, and future. Where our body, we, our bodies can only exist in the present moment. And when our mind gets pulled so far in the past, you know, tripping over past mistakes, you know, you know, just fearing of repeating that and then pulled into the future, which is being afraid of what could happen or being worried about what the future may bring, it directly impacts our ability to perform and make decisions in the present moment. And so for meditation, it's such a great tool to understand and recognize where our attention is going. 
and learning how to bring it back to the moment that we're in. And of course, there's a million different benefits on top of that. But that's one way that I use it with a lot of performers is to be able to first be aware of where our thoughts are going, what our thoughts are, um, and become an observer of them. And then choosing to redirect them back to the present moment and to something that actually creates some forward positive momentum. Right. It's all about reeling yourself back into the present moment. And yes. also meditation can be done. It doesn't have to be some, you know, long thing that you do. You don't have to do it for 20 minutes, 10 minutes. You can find ways to just incorporate tiny little moments of taking deep breaths in the middle of your day. Like when you're in line at the grocery store and someone cuts you in line, like you can just add a little moments of breathing exercises and focusing on your breath that allows you to really calm your nervous system. Uh, and you can use those in, in any scenario. Oh, absolutely. So my question, where do you like to use your meditation? Like where do you find yourself practicing it the most? Directly behind where I'm at right now. Um, I sit on the floor in my office oh, under, I, I, I put a pillow under my butt and just, you know, tune in in the mornings usually is when I do it. And if I'm lucky, I'll do it in the afternoon as well, do bookends. But that's like when I'm really a high achiever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, those, so. are, those are the good days. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I love yeah, that. I think it's, really I think it's important. I, I find for myself, I like listening to a track um, and a guided meditation the most. And uh, yeah. so that's, that's helpful for me. And it actually a lot of times becomes my space when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, that's mm -hmm. kind of what I, that's what I go to, to create that space. And so like we were talking about earlier, or like you were saying earlier, it, for me, it almost acts as the eye of the hurricane. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm in a chaotic space and I know, I know my, I know my signals and those signals are, I get, I get really short with, you know, my husband, <laughs> I can, I swear, I feel like I have a thousand tabs open in my brain. I, I'm unfocused. So I find myself doing tasks that are unimportant, but easy to do because I'm avoiding the important ones. And so that's kind of, those are my cues that say, all right, let's go do a quick 10 minute meditation. Let's recenter, let's regroup. And then once I'm done with that, I get back focused in the present. And my question I often think about is what's important now. And when I answer that question, it redirects me to the most important thing and allows me to really get clear so that I can simplify and execute. I love that. What's important now? Yep. If you can answer you that question, what that... yeah, you're right back in the present moment. Wait, have, I don't know what it's called. Do you realize what the acronym for that? Is it acronym? Is that the word? Uh, no, I was saying- Wait, uh, girl. I know. <laughs> What's I... important now? I love that. W-I-N, yes. Yes. And it's a really great anchor you know, to the present moment. It's something I teach a lot of uh, CEOs. Is talk about like having so many responsibilities on their plate, and whether you are a CEO or not, maybe mm -hmm. you're a student athlete, or um, you know, or you're running your own company, or you're working for somebody, and there's just you have a lot on your plate. Uh, you know, that's one anchoring technique is to ask yourself that question: What's important now? And then there's a couple others. The the other one is breathing, like we just talked about, is just using your breath to really re-anchor back to that present moment. Um, and then the third one is asking three questions, which is what's one thing you hear, what's one thing you see, and what's one thing that you feel. And again, if you can answer any of those things, you have just redirected your attention right back to the present moment. Because like a ship, 
our mind or like a ship without an anchor, our mind can drift and it can be at risk for being, being taken out to sea. But also like a ship with an anchor, it may drift, but it's not going to go very far. And so we can use those techniques to really anchor ourselves to the present. Wow. So many amazing, amazing mic drop moments. Um, and thank you for all of your insight and sharing all this wisdom on how to develop mental toughness and how to bring yourself back to the present moment, which is where we are our superpower. That's our, being in the present moment. That's our superpower for all of us, um, literally all of us. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you so much for that. I got two closing questions for you. Um, one is what, a question I ask every guest on the show and the other one's just a personal question. So personal question is, um, what's your, what would be your walkout song? <laughs> Ooh, this is a really good question. Shoot. Oh man. I mean, I'll I, tell you, you mine. Mine would be T.I. Bring them out. Oh, that's such a good one. That's such a good one. Um, I think it just because it's like in my head is it's Migos. Like, uh, is it are, like, are you ready? That's the song that yeah, keeps replaying in my head. I think that's the one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'll go with that one. All right. Great answer. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. So lastly is what is uh, one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? so funny. I did actually a video on this today. You know, one of the things I used to believe was that I was worthy when I succeeded. I was worthy when I had a lot of achievements. And something I learned is that if you attach your worth to your outcomes, it will always be temporary. And so I grew up with temporary worthiness. And what I would tell myself then is that with or without achievement, you are enough. You are worthy. And I would encourage myself to develop that self-talk, to develop those beliefs about myself, and to really outline where I thought my worth really lied. Boom. Yes. So much. Yes. <laughs> All right, you guys at Lauren Nicole Johnson on Instagram. Make sure that you follow her. Um, yeah, follow her journey. If you want some inspiration in your life, this is definitely someone you want to follow and keep up with. Um, athlete or not, she is giving mindset tips and tricks all over the damn place that really are for everyone. So thank you so much for being here today, Lauren. Thanks again for having me. Of course. Listen, I don't want to end like every episode with saying I told you so, but like I told you so. (laughs) I knew this was going to be a good one. Lauren was just as awesome as I had anticipated her being. And I loved all, I, I feel like this is one of those episodes that you definitely want to listen to a couple times. And like the second time, make sure you have a pen and paper handy to like write down all of the amazing wisdom that she shared with us. I think if I had to like pick one thing and cherry pick my favorite thing from the episode, like, you know, I love meditation. I love breath work. I love all of those things that bring you to the present moment and allow you to just really be present with your thoughts. Um, because like I said, that's our super superpower. Uh, but really what comes to mind most for me is thinking about what is important now, as she said, what's important 
now, which my brain immediately was like, oh yeah, W-I-N, win, right? How can I win? What's important now? That is the way to win, to ask yourself what is important right now. And so what does that do? Let's uncover it. Let's unpack it. Let's talk about it. So if you ask yourself, like, what's important now? How can I win? Like, and you use that in, in, and you pertain it, you know, use it in terms of your to-do list. What's important now? You use it in terms of if your mind is spiraling out of control because you can't make a decision or, you know, you're, you're stuck in between deciding to go two different directions in your life or leave your job or quit your job or stay with your job or leave a relationship or stay in a relationship, whatever it is, like, relax, slow everything down and then ask yourself, what's important now? So of everything that Lauren said today, that was really awesome. That just super stuck out with stuck out in my mind. And I'm going to carry that with me for a very long time. All right, you guys, uh, if this episode was helpful to you, beneficial, inspirational, motivational, if you took anything from it at all, please also do me a solid and share it with someone that you love because that is how this podcast grows and gets its legs and really starts to hit its stride is if you share it. Um, Beyond that, also subscribing is super important to help out the show and giving us five stars. And if you have an extra moment, like I would love a glowing review. not me asking for all the favors. I appreciate you. All right, squad, have an amazing kick-ass day. And I will see you for our next episode dropping next Tuesday and every Tuesday from here on now until forever. Talk to you soon.